0: podcast is brought to you by Amazon. Everything from A to Z. Help support this show by simply using our Amazon portal, the oamnetwork.com/amazon. Same Amazon deals and prices and it sends a percentage to OAM. That's the oamnetwork.com/amazon. The oamnetwork.com power to the podcast.
1: I mean, if you re- have you ever clicked on the history section of any Wikipedia article, uh not recently oh it's the be- like the, the conversation is always like one comment gets 10,000 like hey this is untrue and like partially based in racism and then a vo- a post that has like negative 10,000 votes like first of all these people don't like oh it, wow it it never fails every article like you could look up a wrestler's wikipedia page be- you could look up like a serial's wikipedia page and it's always like how dare you i was there kind of a deal behind the
2: curtain mm-hmm Mm-hmm. It's maybe my new plans for the night. Like I, would, I would recommend it wholeheartedly. I think I uh I remember We used to uh, we used to at school, mm-hmm. like the, the game was can you edit a Wikipedia article oh, to something wrong and whoever had their uh their edit kept up the longest w- wins. So if you if you do something too overt, mm-hmm. it gets taken down instantly. Yes, of course. But if you uh you know, if, you, <laughs> if you're if you being smart with your disinformation, mm-hmm. then you can keep it around much longer. Uh, for a year, I uh, successfully uh, managed, my edit was of, it was some pr- provincial Brazilian uh, singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. And I changed the title of their album to the Nighttime Bordello Sessions.
0: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. That's a believable album title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it, it stayed up for a year. Wonderful. Until, and then there's this.
3: record collectors out there just searching, <laughs> just yeah, searching yeah. the globe for the. Where is this? Album? Where is this damn
2: album? <laughs>
4: <Okay>. <laughs> Welcome to Doctor Heckle, the science communication podcast. It's got no patience because I'm not a doctor. Girl why is you lying? Girl why you Mufasa? Yeah, Mikasa, Sukasa, got a stripper like Gaza. Got so high off volcanoes, now the flow is so lava. On today's episode, why obesity surgery patients lose more weight than expected, the moving magnetic north pole, and foot fetishist using the scientific method.
2: Welcome to Dr. Heckle, the science communication podcast that has received some disturbing, fully clothed pictures of Jeff Bezos. <laughs> with me on the show today with a bachelor's in electrical engineering from UT Austin, comedian Wes Corwin. How you doing? And with a degree in political science from LSU, host of Memphis Musicology podcast, Ezra Wheeler. Welcome How to the you? show. And of course, the uh, co-host with the real PhD, Niraj Trivedi. Hello. So, uh, Wes and Ezra, both second time. Mm-hmm podcast guests Yep. the second time will be well you'll have to come back for the third time for it to actually be good for sure but uh uh how has it been going so far uh, ezra what's what's been going on with you how's the podcast going
3: good podcast is going well uh keeping busy at the museum i'm at rock and soul museum in the memphis music hall of fame doing major upgrades so uh choosing carpet samples fun things like that um, nice.
2: And that's what you're here to talk about today, exactly. the carpet samples.
3: I've learned I've Ask learned a lot and I'm happy to share my uh, my newfound knowledge asking our
2: listeners for their opinions. And you're uh, you're also doing a bunch of trivia nights,
3: right? That's correct. Yeah, we have a trivia night Tuesday night at Midtown Crossing and then Wednesday over at Crosstown Brewery. So, keep it in the neighborhood.
2: Check them out, they're often very themed.
3: Absolutely. Do a lot of uh decades, a lot of music, a little bit of history. So, yeah. Check it out. We're Diamond and the Bluff as the trivia companies. Check it out. Look at our schedule. Come, uh, come meet us for a drink.
2: Absolutely. So, um, with the uh, Memphis Musicology podcast, with the research you've been doing in the part, uh, the past few months since you were last on, what what do you think was the most gripping uh, piece of Memphis music history that you uh, you looked into?
3: So there was one uh, guy that's... Really stuck in my head was Pat Hare. And Pat Hare was a blues musician, guitarist in the 1950s. Really gets credit um, kind of being a really early heavy metal pioneer. And being a blues musician, you know, black guy from the Delta, just really raunchy, nasty guitar. Played a lot with James Cotton. And then he had a minor hit on his own called Believe I'm Gonna Kill My Baby. And then oh, wow. and then he killed his baby. Oh spent yeah, and then spent should've, the rest of his life. Should have believed him. <laughs> he tried to warn uh. us. But no, Pat Hare's music and his story has been uh kind of a an obsession, like I said, of late. So definitely check him out. Mm. Cotton Crop Blues is a good place to start.
2: Nice. Yeah. And so that's uh, that's Memphis Musicology podcast on right here on the OAM network. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Wes, you've traveled in from uh, the Lone Star State. Yep, Texas, Dallas. I
1: didn't bring an evolutionary denier with me this time. (laughs) So already this episode is looking to
2: improve. It's good. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So a lot has happened since you were on the show. Uh, The Dallas Morning Observer named you the funniest comedian in Dallas. And then uh, at the Arlington Improv, you won the funniest comedian in Texas uh, competition. Yes. So has that led to you getting some more, uh, more club work? Uh, more No. No?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, contests are garbage. Uh, that's what I came here to say. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. Um, I headlined at the Addison Improv, uh, I think, the next night. Um, it's opened a lot of opportunities. I've opened a lot of rooms myself, but it's still the same kind of process I talked about a year ago where the most important thing is booking your own rooms, making work for yourself. In this age, the most important thing is taking advantage of social media, connecting with real people instead of relying on these clubs that are
2: based on an outdated mindset. Well, I think we're i I'm actually going to be in full agreement. As someone that runs yeah. <laughs> five or six nights in exactly the same vein, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to agree. Pop up, pop up shows, mm-hmm. much uh, a much better way to do it. It's the future for sure. And so uh, you're coming. You're coming to uh, perform on uh, a show tonight called uh, Our Show: Drafts and Laughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've come all the way just for just for that show. Yep. Uh, what? Since last time you were here in Memphis, uh, how much more material do you think you have? Uh,
1: I would say thirty seconds to three and a- no. I have about new fifteen to twenty. I'll probably. I think I have one or two bits I'm going to repeat since last year, just because I like them. Just and more because the joke is picking on the crowd instead of like the material, which I like. I like doing that. But I'd say, eh. I mean, I had like I have. I've written I think an hour and a half since then, but about 70 minutes of it is garbage that isn't worth repeating. So <laughs> well, that's good.
2: You've refined it. Yeah, and yeah you're yeah. gonna you're gonna come out all guns blazing. Yep. as a good Texan should. Mm. Now. uh <laughs> I might uh, endear you to actually focus some of your comedic material tonight on uh, on climate change. Sure. Uh, because actually, Texas is among one of 10 states that haven't adopted new science education standards, mm-hmm. meaning uh, your Texas schools are not formally required to teach climate change. No, yeah. Uh, 19 states and Washington, D.C. have adopted the new guidelines, uh, but... And 21 states have developed similar guideline standards. Mm -hmm. But uh, Texas, along with other states such as Alaska, Florida, Maine, Minnesota, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and South Carolina, that's the full list, Mm -hmm. have not. And so uh, it's up to the local school districts and indeed the teachers themselves.
3: And the comedians. And
2: and so... (laughs) It's your duty, probably as a comedian, oh, yeah. to tackle that issue where the state is fa- legislature
1: is failing. On, an, on election day, I'll definitely uh, be in line telling jokes and making sure people are aware <laughs> of the issue comedically, for sure. Yeah,
2: you have the kid's ears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Gotta gotta help them out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I went to high school in Texas in Keller, and there was a chapter on evolution. Uh, my junior and my senior year junior year we skipped it went straight from chapter seven to chapter nine senior year uh i believe he intentionally my, my teacher was a man named mr hall i believe he intentionally taught us evolution wrong and taught us that uh like the population of a species had to completely drop down to zero and then pick back up and i was i would ask questions like <laughs> how wait, <laughs> yeah wait a second what? so the population <laughs> dies out and like it resurges, like that doesn't make sense. And he's like, it doesn't, does it? And <laughs> move on. So <laughs> he would claim things like ninety nine percent of evolution is mutation that results in the entire dying out of a species. And I was like, well, wouldn't a mutation like only wouldn't a mutation prevent a certain member of the species from being able to like repopulate effectively? And he was like, You'd think so, but no. And it was that a lot. Anytime you brought up a question, he would be like, see, you're right. Let's talk about it kind of a deal. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I, I had to do my own research on Wikipedia to learn that he was a terrible teacher, <laughs> just an awful, <laughs>
2: awful teacher. And not just big, and not just that there was a Wikipedia article about how terrible of a no, teacher no, no, he was. No, no. I mean, I would
1: have written one if I was better at editing Wikipedia pages, but I, I didn't pick that up until senior year of college when I had to write. That's a, this, that has nothing to do with science. Uh, but <laughs> uh i was watching a movie on hbo and uh, i had like a stub article that was like a paragraph long and i was like this isn't a bad movie so i started making the wikipedia page for the film as it went on as i watched it and just started summing up what was happening page got taken down because uh the truth is uh being prevented everywhere (laughs) (laughs) but you know you you try your best you adapt that's what matters we're trying to get the truth out there you evolve yes exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs)
0: Let OAM help you get the word out on your service, product, or endeavor. Email info at theoamnetwork.com.
2: Welcome back to Dr. Heckle. We move on to our news item for this week. Today's article comes from CNN, mm-hmm. and the title of the article is Earth's Magnetic North Pole is Hurtling Towards Russia. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: oh, I <heard> that. <laughs> oh. What do you think of that? I mean... <laughs> Imagine if Russia gets his hand on the ma-
1: hands on the magnetic North Pole. Oh, the power they'd have. The things yeah. they'd do with it. <laughs> oh, all our compasses well, the- would point toward Russia. Like, could you imagine that? The Boy Scouts would just keep heading that direction. Like, we'd be doomed. That'd be it. Oh, we'd lose them all.
3: And s- Santa.
1: Sa- oh, yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about he the real would- issue? That-
2: yeah. Oh, man, that'd be a disaster. But... Is, is Santa affected by the magnetic North Pole? Is he always going to be at the geographic? He has North to pole.
1: live at the North Pole, so at if it's the moving, magnetic, yes.
2: Yeah. If he's that's in, just fact. That if you it's on the Wikipedia. page. If <laughs> you've looked up <laughs> Santa Claus's Wikipedia
1: page, the house actually lifts off the ground and moves <laughs> as the magnetic North Pole. Well, shows. It's not even
2: on the ground; it's just in that
1: cleft. <laughs> it's it's yeah. off the magnetic wave. It's on a sort yeah. Of, yeah, it's like a it positive negative situation where it's essentially.
2: Just just His house is made of South Pole. Yes. His (laughs) His
1: house is made
2: of like hoverboard technology. So that, yeah. So the uh, North Magnetic Pole has been drifting at such a speed that it's thought this could cause a problem for smartphone maps and navigation systems. So uh, typically a report is done every five years on uh, the position of the Magnetic North Pole, which changes uh, constantly. It's constantly shifting. But um, the speed at which it is shifting has increased to a level that uh, NOAA um, published their report uh, a year early. They'll still publish one in 2020 mm-hmm. and when the next one is due, but they published uh, one in 2019 to update things because otherwise uh, the readings were going to be so far out of date that it could cause a problem mm-hmm. for navigation. So uh, the since it was first, uh, you know. Um, since it was first like discovered in, I think it was 1831, uh, the North Magnetic Pole has been seen to be migrating across from the Canadian Arctic uh, Circle towards Russia. Uh, but this rate has increased uh, over time. So between, um, be- between 1900 and 1990, it migrated around uh, 1,000 kilometers. Okay. And since... The late nineteen nineties and today, it has migrated a thousand, another thousand kilometers, and so it uh, is believed to, I think, have moved about thirty-five miles in the past year alone. So uh, hurtling, <laughs> hurtling towards, uh, hurtling towards Russia. Uh, uh, the other thing that has been seen is that the magnetic field is decreasing in strength oh, okay. of the um, of the Earth. So. Uh, one thing that is possibly thought is so. There's this phenomena where the every 250,000 years the magnetic poles switch places. Mm-hmm. South becomes north, or north becomes south. And the way and what actually happens uh is that the magnetic field will decrease, disappear, and then it will when it reemerges a few thousand years later, the poles are, swi- are switched. It's not as it's not as if you see like a physical mm-hmm. they. Sw- you know, switch by traveling over the equator or whatever. This is a great physical act out for a podcast. This is yeah, a- I'm very glad you're doing this. <laughs> can,
1: <laughs> can you move your fingers directly into the microphone? So people can-
2: <laughs> uh, I'm going to ignore. Please go on. Ignore your jibes. <laughs> so, so it, this happens every 250,000 years. Yes. Uh, but it's been 750,000 years since it last happened. So long overdue for that to happen. So it's possible that that could be uh, the process that is occurring. However, um, other um, other geophysicists, there are geophysicists that say it's nothing to worry about and that it's not actually that unusual uh, behaviour because the magnetic field is changing continuously Mm -hmm. as part of its natural behaviour. It's uh, really annoying that they didn't keep better records 200,000 years ago <laughs> <that> <laughs> to nice. document how this happens. <laughs> it would have been nice. Yeah. It's awful. pretty selfish. Mm-hmm. Um but if you so if you actually if you actually look at the position of the magnetic north pole today, actually it's much closer to the geographic north pole right now oh. than it was previously. It's it's far it's it's right within that small circle around the geographic north pole. It, actually 200 years ago it was really far away. Wow. Oh. Um so what I'll draw your attention to is this is not a new story. No. Uh, magnetic, null, magnetic North Pole Drifting Fast was the title of a BBC news article from the 12th of December 2005. Oh. And it said, uh, the byline for that article said, the Earth's North magnetic pole is drifting away from North America so fast it could end up in Siberia within 50 years, uh-huh. scientists have said. So scientists have been saying this for some time. This is no not new information. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, but uh, what, I, <laughs> what I want to draw your attention to and something that at the time, you know, because this has been an issue that's been thought about for some time, you know, the idea of the ma- magnetic uh, field around the earth disappearing. Uh, the 2003 film, The Core, yeah. with a 33% audience score on Ross and Tomatoes, uh, it, it Sharon imagines Sharon uh, Hilary Swank. Hilary Swank imagines this very scenario where, you know, the, um, the Earth's magnetic field disappears mm-hmm. due to it. It's the core of the Earth stops rotating in yeah. that. Um, actually, do you know what the tagline of that film I, I, was? I really want to know. The only way out is in.
1: Oh, <laughs> God. Let, let's red box it right now. <laughs> let's get it. Uh.
2: So, uh, <laughs> So, this film about uh, the earth's magnetic field disappearing the core the core Yeah. Uh, was actually voted by a survey of hundreds of scientists as the worst uh, <laughs> the worst science uh, science depicted in film uh, movie of all time wow that's
3: impressive
2: yeah. that's true there have impressive. been some really there's been bad science in movies considering
3: boolies. the fly exists yeah um <laughs> Day after tomorrow comes to mind.
2: Oh yeah, that would that would be another one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, actually, what I'm going to reveal to you, because you'd both been on the show before, I was gonna I, I was gonna uh, not be tr- too traditional with this segment. The the reporting is is correct as current trends look. Uh, the the magnetic north pole is moving towards Russia. It's moving towards up Russia at an increasing speed. Oh okay. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with those reporting or e- e- indeed the studies. That are being done. What will happen to the magnetic north pole, or indeed the magnetic field around Earth, uh, remains to be seen. And and the the predictions at this time are not coming with too much, uh, you know, evidential grounding. We don't know if the uh, the field is going to disappear. We don't know if uh, if it's really going to continue to move in that direction uh, over the long period of time. Uh, but but I'm not going to dub the media of this world. Uh, fake this time around. What I'm going to do, uh, is give you a blast from the past and dub the 2003 film The Core mm. for its depiction of <laughs> sending nukes into <laughs> into the middle of the earth to restart its rotation mm-hmm. and therefore solve the magnetic field problem. It's going to be dubbed fake news.
3: Fake news. You Trojan uh, horse it. Uh. <laughs> they they nuke the center of the earth
2: they send nukes to the center of the earth Um. oh they also also, the ship uh, that they use to travel to the center of the earth is made of a uh, material in the film called unobtainium (laughs) which can resist the heat and pressure that's, isn't that the same so element from Avatar? Avatar? Yes. Yeah. The same element from Avatar. Oh, are they
1: in the same they're universe? They're Maybe. The same yeah. cinematic universe. Well, James Cameron, <laughs> the director. <I> think. Yep. <laughs> Titanic, the core, and Avatar all take oh, place in the same universe. It's all the same universe.
2: universe. <laughs> that's mind blowing.
0: <laughs> Help us keep the lights on. Go to the OAMnetwork.com slash
2: donate. Welcome back for our final section where we take a journal article from the scientific literature, explain it to our guests, and have them rumble through that information Mm -hmm. right back to us. Today's article comes from the journal Cell Reports from the Metabolic Research Laboratories uh, in Cambridge in the United Kingdom. The first author is Pierre LaRafie. (laughs) (laughs) and the anchor author is uh, fiona gribble Uh and the title of the article is important role of the glp1 axis for glucose homeostasis after bariatric surgery oh no oh boy from the title alone what can you pick up from that article
1: Ezra, do you want to take this one?
2: Do you, uh, <laughs>
3: Will you read it one more time? Yeah, yeah, it. of course. Yeah. please. Yeah. Im-
2: important role of the GLP-1 axis for glucose homeostasis after bariatric surgery.
1: Okay. Like a, like a spelling bee, could you use the title in a sentence? <laughs> yes, I could
2: use the title in, the, in a sentence. Okay. Important role of the GLP-1 <laughs> <laughs> axis for glucose homeostasis after bariatric surgery. Yep. Right, <laughs> okay. Walked into that one. That's, that's fair. Okay. Okay so uh glucose homeostasis we're talking glucose uh, mm-hmm. insulin yes. you're talking keeping your blood sugar levels uh at correct levels mm-hmm, mm-hmm. GLP1 is a uh is a small peptide it's glucagon like peptide 1 mm-hmm. bariatric surgery is the surgery that you would have uh, if you if you're obese and you need to have uh surgery be that uh, gastric band be that you know partial uh, removal of the stomach Mm -hmm.
0: Uh,
2: and it's widely used to treat obesity Mm. and so uh, weight loss is you know is achieved in in theory by uh, the fact that you're taking in less Mm -hmm. but actually uh, long-term studies show that uh, these procedures can cause significant long-term loss of weight in excess of what you would expect and indeed recovery from diabetes an improvement in uh, a lot of these risk factors and mortality re- reduction. Um, now the numbers of these surgeries are increasing. Uh, in 2017, in the United States, there were 228,000 bariatric surgeries wow. total. So that's all all, every, all of the surgeries that would fall under that category. There's 228,000. So and that's up from 2012 when it was uh, t- 2011 when it was only 158,000. So it's it's a type of surgery that's increasing. And indeed, it is now being considered for people who were not necessarily within that category before. You don't necessarily have to meet as high an obesity threshold mm-hmm. to be perhaps eligible for this kind of surgery. Because of uh, the improvements in type two diabetes that have been seen.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh that's a bit of that's a bit of background and uh glp one this this peptide it 's been seen in greater levels in the blood of post bariatric surgery patients mm-hmm. so this group was trying to figure out um, the importance of you know if this if this peptide is increased levels in the blood and we're, and you 're seeing these improvements uh, is there any link between the two so uh, what they wanted to look at first of all was uh, a situation in which you would have stomach removal without confounding fe- factors such as this gigantic loss of weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so uh, ga- uh, gastric cancer is actually a scenario in which you often remove the whole stomach and you uh, you would basically attach the uh, jejunum up to, uh, I think it's the up to basically the esophagus. You're bypassing the whole stomach uh, if... You know, if you have this form of gastric cancer, so those post gast uh, they wanted to look in those post gastrectomy patients who had had stomach removal, which would be a, a similar kind of uh, surgery to the, this bariatric surgery, whether what their levels of this peptide were, and they found that um, those those levels of this GLP-1 in these uh, in these patients was increased now they also uh they also found that when they did a randomized uh study when they were looking at um infusing something that blocks this the receptor to this peptide so this GLP1 receptor this GLP GLP1R uh then giving them a glucose drink and uh, and food and looking at the um the glucose concentrations when they were blocking this receptor and if they blocked the receptor and gave them this food food and drink the glucose concentrations remained at a higher level Mm -hmm. so when you have when you have less of this glp1 you uh your ability to control the glucose levels seems to go down
0: Mm
2: -hmm. uh and uh in the and they found um also that this other peptide called pyy those those concentrations are higher in those uh, um, in those patients there 's another similar kind of compound mm-hmm. so they also found that the glucagon uh, secretion increased when uh, when they gave uh, this this treatment and so that 's a hormone that 's found in the, in the pancreas that uh, promotes the breakdown of glycogen to glucose, so you know more glucose and more uh, more glucagon more conversion of this glycogen stores into glucose higher blood glucose glucose levels mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they've they've basically determined that you've got high more glp1 in the in the blood um after this surgery that is equivalent to what you would do in a, a beast patient mm-hmm. and they found a link between the levels of that in the blood and your ability to control mm-hmm. the glucose so then they took their studies to uh, mice and looking at lean mice. And it might seem like the reverse way to do it, looking in the no, humans first. Right. Uh, but, but looking in a more targeted way where they made a model of uh, gastrectomy in lean mice that had uh, received a gastrectomy or a control operation. Right. And they found that, the, uh, that those with a gastrectomy lost more weight during the first week after surgery than those with the sham surgery mm-hmm. and reduce the food in- intake. And they found that the, uh, they ha- when they did glucose tolerance test, uh, they found basically uh, there was higher plasma GLP-1 and insulin levels in the operated on mice. Uh-huh. uh When they looked at blocking that receptor again, uh, so they gave they gave the mice surgery, uh, and they gave them four weeks of a liquid diet and four weeks then four weeks of a high fat diet, and then twelve days of a controlled low fat diet. Mm-hmm. They found that the weight loss after this operation that they'd seen before was being higher. In, so they they saw that as higher in the operated on mice, which they'd seen before, but when uh, transferred to a high fat diet the group that were operated on and were receiving this block of GLP1 they ate more than the mice that had just received the operation okay so basically you know you have they ha- you have the operation you're losing weight mm-hmm. you have the operation and then you block this GLP1 mm-hmm. and now they're eating the mice are eating more again i see so uh they then wanted to figure out why this was uh why this was the case why there was more glp1 and they looked in uh the the jejunum uh for differences in peptide levels mm-hmm. actually they found no significant differences so the G- so that wasn't there, there wasn't more glp1 produced from that region of the uh of the gi tract uh huh and look, they looked at the transcripts to see how active active the different genes were, and again, it was puzzling because there's no significant differences. So that, uh, in, at least in what they deemed to be relevant gene sets, mm-hmm. so so it's puzzling because you think where is the actual GL, GLP-1 coming from? So then, what they did is they basically uh, used a fluorescent uh, a fluorescent system. So. Uh, they fed the mice with something that was basically going to show up fluorescent, yeah. And they found that the opera- in the operated on mice, the ones that had received this partial, um, this partial gastrectomy, yeah, the new nu- uh, the nutrients or the food was traveling in the same period of time further through the GI tract, exposed therefore exposed to more of the like endothelial cells, oh. and so you were getting GLP one expression from more cells being so more of it's being pushed out because you're getting more surface area you know more uh, it's getting th- further through the system uh-huh. and so that's where at least in the mice you're getting more of this GLP one now they didn't prove manage to prove that in humans mm-hmm. but uh, that the inference you make that this is that this might be the reason why so in a in a post you know in a post operat- operated on person, with this surgery, there is, we know there's more GLP-1. And if it follows on from the mouse system, it could be because uh, the food or the nutrients are getting further through the system in the same period of time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, that is uh, that is the study. How do you guys feel about it?
3: You somehow made me understand that thing. Yeah. well t- I didn't have much faith but towards <laughs> the end, I
2: think I, yeah, I okay, think I Get the so,
1: gist of it, yeah
2: so uh so, between the two of you, could you explain back to me and Naraj what these guys did
1: uh sure
2: yeah
3: you want, you want me or you wanna <laughs> so let's do in post op patients right, we found higher levels of uh, this
1: g l p. one peptide
3: right yes. which which regulates seems to be helpful in regulating
1: insulin levels
3: right right the question is why is that where is this coming where are these increased levels coming from
1: mm-hmm. the first part of the experiment was to confirm that the GLP-1 was directly dera- related so they had a control group that didn't go through the surgery and one that did and they they observed that if you block it people eat more the insulin level is still not controlled as well so the, G- the increased presence of this GLP-1 peptide was in fact related to people losing more weight than anticipated, and uh, the presence of diabetes uh, being less. Uh, then they went to mice, and as I understand, um, it, correct me if I'm wrong. If I understand, they had to they had to get mice that uh, were, were similar to humans, so they had to give mice diabetes, right?
2: So with this, they did lean. They did lean, lean mice. mice. So so if you think about uh, people with gastric cancer, yeah. not going to be obese and that's the, what they did the first sure. or might not might not be obese mm. they use lean, lean mice that they uh
1: took part of the uh, some a percentage of the mice uh, they gave a gastric surgery and the other half of the mice they gave a sham surgery where i assume they just told the mice they were giving them a gastric surgery put them under <laughs> woke up but they don't Sir, know. Right? They, yeah, it's a double-blind study, and some of the mice are blind. I assume to <laughs> three of them. Yes, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think there are three
3: blind mice. Yes. Yeah.
1: So they observed uh, with the mice that uh, were post-surgery uh, that had the go one they were uh, losing weight, less uh, more control over their insulin. They were put on a liquid diet, solid diet, ma- maintained uh, those findings, and then some of them, the GLP-1 was blocked. And their appetite was increased. They would eat more, which would indicate that the GLP-1 played into uh, lesser appetite, more weight loss. And then they put a fluorescent system, uh, which was unelaborated on, I assume it's some sort of GAC, like a, like the Nickelodeon substance that they <laughs> swallow and it lights up their uh, digestive system. And then they determined that it was, it was traveling through further surface area, uh, I believe of the... Was it the, what was it? The stu- it wasn't the stomach lining because they'd taken the they stomach taken out. the stomach
2: out. Yeah. Geodenum. Hmm. The duodenum. Oh yeah. yeah. The ge- ge- the jejunum. Yeah. The jejunum. The duodenum. The ileum. Ah. Yeah. You know,
1: which is a body part referenced in the film Semi Pro with Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first moment where I was like, I'm getting this. Good. Good. <laughs> it's a reference right. I understand. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, they they determined it was being added that way. They have not managed to test that finding in humans, but they believe
2: probably some correlation there. Uh,
3: well done. I think we did it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
2: yeah that's good. I mean, uh, so I guess you could think of in perhaps in the future, you know, now you could use GLP one or similar acting compounds uh, to either suppress appetite mm-hmm. uh, or uh, potentially to bring, you know, uh, bring gl- glucose levels under control Mm-hmm. Uh, you, it, you could also use um, things that block this in uh, the gastric bypass, uh, the, so the gastrectomy patients. So if you think about, so one problem with people that have had gastrectomies, if they've had gastric cancer, mm-hmm. is now they uh, they're producing too much insulin mm-hmm. for um, for what their uh, what their needs are, yep. and so they can end up going into um, into like a hypoglycemia yeah. state. Mm-hmm. So I think you did a great job. You okay. figured it out. Nailed it. But nice. now, of course, comes the time uh, for you to flip these tables right over and try and teach me and Niraj a fact of some kind. So uh, I ask each of my guests, of course, to bring a fact with them uh, to the podcast. I'm going to start with Ezra today. Uh did. Ezra, Ezra, do you have a fact for me? Science fact. No, no, no. Fun, a fa- a fun, a
3: fun fact. Fun fun
2: fact of any kind.
3: Oh, let me go back. Let's go back to the uh, annals of music history. Here's a fun fact: is learned recently. Singer named Ann Peebles from Memphis. Her big hit was "I Can't Stand the Rain." Probably know it from the Missy Elliott track. Anyway, uh, John Lennon and his dark. His went through a dark period broke up with Yoko anyway. he become obsessed with that song said it was the greatest song ever written. And during a performance of and people in New York city, John Lennon apparently proceeded to get extremely wasted. He said he was embarrassed to meet her because he was so intimidated by her, which is coming from a beetle. Anyway, he, uh, got wasted, took a, ma- found a maxi pad, borrowed a maxi pad from somebody, put it over his eyes and ran up to the stage and, Proposed to Ann Peeble and was subsequently removed from the studio. Oh. In an interview with her, she said that he called her the next day and apologized and came and sent her flowers. But anyway, at one point in time, John Lennon put a maxi pad on his face and attacked a Memphis soul singer.
2: That's that's amazing in the fact that he was in, he was intimidated and embarrassed to meet her. And then that was his go-to. That was, that's, right.
3: yeah. In I'm, his
2: adult mind. She can,
3: exactly. <laughs> This'll get her. This'll get her. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we got Yoko.
0: So
2: that's a,
3: <laughs> a rebound. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: right.
3: <laughs> so there's my fun fact for the day.
2: That's, that's pretty good. Uh, Wes, do you have anything uh, to, uh, to, to match
1: I don't know if you heard about this. Did you hear about the the uh, Ocasio-Cortez, the AOC nudes that uh, the conservatives were spreading and they were trying to get people like, oh, she posted pictures of herself naked on the internet. Like somebody posted on this website, I think it was post-secret, like pictures of them, like uh, they were in a bathtub, pictures of their feet. And uh, like the conservatives were like, this is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Like how how can she do this? And what happened was uh foot fetishists (laughs) a a large wikipedia foot fetishists managed to come together compare their existing photos of alexandria ocasio's feet and the photos and came together to determine that that was a fake news story and in fact that those were not those were a completely different woman Uh, i'm I'm so glad we that we can come together and work together again from any so i just In terms of who's fighting fake news, we all are in very different ways.
2: We all have our methods. We all have...
1: (laughs) There are many experts out there. There are <laughs> a lot of different experts.
2: That's amazing, and I am going to. I am going to have to admit that I did know that we have a very yeah, yeah, sen- yeah. similar sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a great, uh, mm-hmm. a great fact, and mm-hmm. I. I hope I didn't delve too much into it. So I hope they went into a very scient- into it very scientifically. I yeah, I hope so. Well,
1: <laughs> I hope they. I hope it was conducted with a lot with uh, lab coats on at all times. With decorum, yes, hundred percent. There were not CSI
3: on it. There was like, reconstructions. Mm-hmm. There was toe measurements.
2: And that anyone and that during the investigation, anyone using inappropriate language mm-hmm. or uh, f- or fetishizing the feet during the investigation. Were banned from the forums. Ask I was, I was At- hoped. That, mm-hmm. I hope that that was the case. I would. I would like to think so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this isn't about that right now. It's about the truth. <laughs> <We> never- <Yeah. laughs>
3: but can uh, you can you really afford to lose his expertise? No, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, pick your battles, guys. It's <laughs> 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 fair. It's pretty fair.
2: Well, thank you for those uh, those great those great facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this brings us to the end of the show. mhm where, of course, I give my guests the chance to plug what they've got going on. Mm. Uh, so, Ezra, first of all, what's uh, what's going on? Sure. We've got a
3: couple things. You mentioned uh, trivia once again. Tuesday nights at Midtown Crossing, 7 p.m. Wednesday nights at Crosstown Brewery, 7 p.m. as well. We also have a concert series going on at the Memphis Music Hall of Fame. It's going to be the first Thursday of every month. We're calling it Hall After Dark. We do different artists that are in the Hall of Fame and get a local musician to pay tribute to them. So we've had Taliba Sophia do Isaac Hayes. We had Crockett Hall uh, pay tribute to Big Star. And then most recently, we had Turnstiles pay tribute to Carl Perkins. So it's a really neat series. We're trying to get started up. Uh, Once again, first Thursday of the month at the Memphis Music Hall of Fame.
2: Great. And, uh, and Wes, what have you got to, what have you got to talk about?
1: Uh, let's see. Main one is, uh, of course, any, any upcoming shows, check out facebook.com slash Wes Corwin as friends for my Facebook page or twitter.com slash Wes Cornfield for my Twitter. Um, in terms of shows I have upcoming, uh, May, March 1st, I'm going to be at secret group in Houston. Uh, and then March the 2nd, I am going to be at Goofy's comedy club in Canyon Lake. Uh, check, most of all, just check my calendar on Facebook for upcoming shows, and of course, every Thursday, if you're in the Dallas area, Noble Ray Brewing, uh, trying to build it as a room. Last Thursday of every month is a showcase, and then every other Thursday is an open mic. Come see people, uh, make make jokes, make funny funny jokes,
2: make funny jokes. Yeah. And with that, that's all we ha- that's all we have. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for coming on the show. Thank yeah. you for having. It's us. been a, it's been a blast. Mm-hmm. And uh, good 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 night. Good. Good night.
4: Dr. Heckle is an OAM Network production available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and the OAMnetwork.com recorded at the Crosstown Concourse in Memphis, Tennessee. Your host was Mark Brimble and Niraj Trivedi. Guests were Wes Corwin and Ezra Wheeler. The show was produced by Mark Brimble and Gilworth. Special thanks to Lauren Riggins and the Surf Memphis podcast. Find us on our Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or if you have any questions, comments, or would like to get in touch about appearing on the show, or topics you'd like us to cover, email us at drhecklepod at gmail.com. The OAM
0: Network.com. Power to the Podcast